So this morning I'd like to um, continue to flow with this um, flow of ways of looking practices through um, the three characteristics, the three marks of existence. And um, also um, very flowing, flowing on from the talk last night, which uh, was about some aspects of this third characteristics, the third mark of existence, which is anatta, um, which very simply means not-self, not-self. Um, really important to, um, when we hear this, to remember not-self does not mean that we don't exist. <laughs> yeah, like, sounds funny, but is actually, you know, very natural kind of uh, response to that. And um, it's not about things not, not existing. As I was saying last night, it's not that, doesn't mean that um, things aren't real. doesn't mean that um, experience is an illusion, that life is an illusion. It means that things are not real in the way that we take them to be habitually. And so that's quite a distinction. And it's, it's very profound. So, you know, it's something we can really stay with for years and years and years, decades. You know, it's, a, it's an ongoing exploration. And actually, all these ways of looking that we've been um, exploring, they, they are really deep, profound practices um, that have more and more subtle levels. So, um, you know, it's not kind of, okay, did it for a day. <laughs> I'm expected to get it. It's, it's a real um, ongoing exploration for us. So um, this, like I was just saying, you know, this anatta, you know, when we look at the way we habitually live or uh, relate to experience, it is mostly from uh, what in Buddhism is called uh, an ignorant way of looking or ignorance or confusion. Yeah, sometimes also the word delusion is used to, to describe our habitual way of looking. Um, so we can just say, if we look, when we look at experience, not from a, a wise and clear seeing, then we take, it's very, very simple, we take this body, we take this mind uh, to be who we are. We identify with that. And we create a solid sense of self around it. Um, and then we also appropriate, you know, with that comes the ownership. You know, this is mine. <laughs> this is me. They, they, they come together. And the same, that same trajectory that we have towards um, ourself is also how we see other phenomena, including other people, things, um, everything really, mind states, whatever, whatever is, is arising in experience. It, it's got a self, it's got a solidity to it. And, of course, almost all of the time this is unconscious, you know. We're not, we're doing this without being aware that that's what we're doing. And so that is why the practice is so uh, valuable and so useful, because we actually bring the awareness to the way um, things play out in our mind and in our experience. And the real encouragement, we've said this, but to kind of repeat it, the real encouragement with these insight or ways of looking practices is to really experiment with them, experience them, and then see how does that actually change? How does that actually um, change my perspective and what are the fruits of that? 
What are the fruits of that? And this is, you know, a real core teaching that comes all the way from the Buddha of, of really not just taking things as belief systems, but applying, 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 and seeing how does that manifest in my experience? How does that manifest in my experience? And so today, um, probably already said that, <laughs> you know, we're continuing the movement from Anicca to Dukkha to Anatta to, to not-self. Um, and we can see these practices both as, um, you know, a real kind of um, connected thing, you know, the three practices, the three ways of looking very much have a relationship to each other. But they also work, you know, each of them on their own. And when we practice, we actually practice just one. Really, really important. If we start to mix them up, it can get quite confusing to the mind. So we practice just one at a time. And so we can kind of see them as standalone, or we can actually be interested to see also that flow, you know, which I think was very clear yesterday, um, you know, that the impermanent nature of our experience, how that feeds the, the fact that uh, nothing actually um, can give us lasting happiness, that we, you know, and that we appropriate that, you know, that we give that meaning to things. You know, this view will always make me happy. This meal <laughs> will always make me happy. You know, whatever it is, you know, this meditation practice will always make me happy. But uh, because everything is changing, Nothing can actually guarantee lasting happiness. And that's the kind of relationship between Anicca and Dukkha is really, really um, clear and important there. So when we start to explore um, anatta, not self, and the sense of self that we have, obviously, you know, that's a big part of the exploration is we notice what is present and then we we investigate it and question it. also helpful to remember that, like everything else, the sense of self is also a spectrum. So sometimes it's very gross, very obvious. You know, we've been talking a lot about the recognition of the sense of self with contraction. So if there is a lot of what we would call in Dharma circles, there's a, a, a verb, selfing. <laughs> so when selfing is present, in a, in a very gross way, we can really feel it in this contraction in the body or contraction of awareness on on a a more gross levels. Um, But just remembering that this continues in more and more subtle and delicate ways. So sometimes, um, you know, when we're feeling, when there's a lot of ease in the being, when, you know, we say there's a sense of flow, life is, you know, we're in a flow, there's not much, we're not hitting up against many things, um, the sense of self will be much more quiet and it will be much more subtle. Um, but it will still be there. <laughs> it will still be there. So just to, to be interested in that. And so uh, the practice of anatta, the way of looking of anatta, of anatta what it really uh, helps us do is to loosen up that sense of identification, that contraction. You know, so the sense self, as I was saying yesterday, it gets built up, gets built up in the meeting with our phenomena. We build it up, meeting with experience. And so the the practice is really aiming to go directly at that and to see if if it's possible to loosen up that identification. 
so one way of, uh, of seeing this is um, through the dukkha practice, and, and perhaps some of you have had that experience already. Um, when the dukkha practice is, has got some um, energy in it, some momentum in it, uh, we can sometimes see how as we're you know, seeing that you know, this is unsatisfactory or we're lessening, we're, we're relaxing the contraction that's building up, um, or, you know, no lasting happiness, whichever way we're doing it. When we're doing that, the clinging, the clinging to experience will actually lessen a little bit, and we can see that, or a lot. Yeah, the clinging lessens. And with the lessening of the clinging, the sense of self also loosens up. So the clinging, the dukkha, and the sense of self are mutually dependent. And this is something that we can begin to see through dukkha practice and through anatta practice. And if you didn't kind of clearly see that yesterday, that's fine. Like I said, it was just one day of practice, so it's not that you were doing anything wrong if that didn't come up. But it can be really interesting to start to look at that, that clinging sense of self and dukkha arise together. They arise together. They're mutually dependent. So in, in the anatta practice, we go directly to the loosening or the, les- of, or the lessening of um, the sense of self. That's what we're doing. We're going directly to that. And as we do that, that loosens and lessens the clinging and reduces the suffering. So if we kind of look at them, you know, like three things that arise together, if we work with any of them so that that becomes less contracted, less dense and is more loose, more open, that will affect the other two. So clinging, dukkha, sense of self arise together. Very important teachings. If that's all you remember from what I'm saying this morning, it's, it's a lot. Yeah? And, then, and then starting to look at how that, is that true in my experience? Is that true in my experience? How does that come up in my experience? Or does it just sound good? <laughs> so really kind of looking at that. And so saying that, really acknowledging also that um, it may be that you've had enough input already with, with techniques and with suggestions. Uh, you may have had enough two days ago. And uh, if that's the case, to really respect that. You know, so here's another teaching, here's another way of looking, another practice to try out. If I feel like I've already kind of had enough, then just putting it to one side, like we've been saying. And, you know, feel free to listen now to what I'm saying, maybe try out the practice or not. Um, If it feels that it's enough and you've got enough to work with already, just put it to one side and you could pick it up at a later time. You know, these recordings are going to be available. There's other resources that deal with these practices. If, you, if there's interest, you'll find your way back to them. It's not a, you know, you've got to do it now or never. So to really um, listen with respect to, to the inner voice. And... I think, I, as I said a few minutes ago, um, if you do feel interested to try it out, then try it out. Um, and keep in mind that each way of looking practice, they're all interrelated, but they each have its own flavor and power. So really um, important to practice one at a time, not to, not to bring them all together, not to do impermanence and dukkha and 
uh, not self at the same time, but just say, okay, for this period of practice, I'm doing this one, and stick with that. Um, noting can again be helpful in, in the anatta practice also. So just like we were using um, anicca or impermanent in the, in the anicca practice, here too we can just use um, a short note to kind of um, label the experience. Um, and the practice is really, um, the intention is, is to see phenomena as a happening. You know, things are happening. They're arising and they're passing. And what we're interested in is seeing that arising and passing and loosening up the identification. Loosening up the identification. That level of reactivity that arises with almost everything that catches our attention. And so we can do that um, with using um, different notes. You know, you can use anatta if you like Pali, or you can use um, not-self, and you can use not-me, not-mine, or just one of them. Not-me, not-mine is very popular in the Buddhist teachings. So just whatever, or, or anything else, you know, something in a different language, or something that just really kind of catches the flavor for you, as a, as a very light note with experience. So if we use, um, to take an example of how this practice works, if we use the body um, as an example, so we're um, meditating, we're looking at the body, and we're looking at body sensations as we have been. And as the sensations arise, watching them arise and pass, and just a very light label, not me, not mine, or arising and passing, (laughs) can also be very useful. Not me, not mine. Like really seeing that flow of life flowing through. So the sensations arise, not me, not mine. Then we maybe look at the Vedana of the sensations. That also is not me and not mine. We open to the perception of the sensations and the perception of the Vedana, which is also happening at that time. That too is not me and not mine. We can take it to another layer of experience, the knowing, the knowing of the sensation, the knowing of the Vedana, the knowing of the perception. That too, that knowing too, is not me, not mine. So we can work at any of those levels. You know, you can work at just sensation, Vedana, perception, knowing of all of those, um, and either stay with one or move between them. And just to say that I just, the ones that I mentioned are, um, you know, these are some of the five aggregates that Nathan was talking about, the heaps, <laughs> yeah, which are a useful way of, of relating to, to our experience. So, um, you know, all just happening, it's just happening, it's arising and passing, and none of it is me, none of it is mine, just a kind of, it's like a reminder, a gentle reminder. So in many ways, um, we could say, and and we like to say, that this retreat is actually a meta-retreat in many, many ways. It's a meta-retreat, even though meta has only been one of the practices we've been doing here directly. And why is it a meta-retreat? 
partly because of that underlying attitude of kindness, which is essential for the practice. And we've actually been cultivating all the time through any practice that we've been applying. And the other is that metta is a real expression of that easeful, welcoming kind of um, energy that the ways of looking practices have. So it's really not about rigidity or tension or pushing away experience, but having a welcoming, easeful, open attitude um, as part of the way of looking. So to keep that in mind and to feel free to use metta as much as you want um, or feel is appropriate through the day. Um, it can be as, um, you know, both just as as a, a way of kind of grounding in the attitude of kindness, and it also can be a very useful response if at any point there's a tightening or an arising of some kind of strong negativity, you know, fear or anxiety or uh, or some kind of unease, then bringing in the meta practice. And we're still very much like uh, the previous two days, we're still... Um, not just doing ways of looking the whole day. So really important to at least have at least a third of the day, probably for most of us half of the day, with metta or samatha samadhi practices. Yeah, to really kind of, we really need that grounding in that kind, spacious, um, grounded attitude to, to work with, with the mind in, in the way we do through the, through the insight practices. And so with that, um, also a real reminder that seeing things as not self is not about rejecting. It's not a rejection of anything. Yeah, It's not a rejection of what is arising in experience. Um, it's not a rejection of our habit <laughs> to see things as self. Yeah, We're not rejecting that. Uh, we are actually opening to, to see what is going on and to loosen it up to loosen it up and to work with it. And in many ways, um, you will probably find over time that this specific way of looking of anatta actually really creates a sense of intimacy with, with experience and can bring a lot of love and a lot of metta in. And so, you know, really, really look, seeing that um, habit that would probably creep in of um, of pushing away experience of of using this also as a way of you know not me not mine go away <laughs> kind of um, which again is very natural and it will come um, and so we're we're opening also to see that to see that and to come back to that sense of allowing and of opening to um, whatever is there, whether it stays or goes. So it's not a way of controlling experience, but of opening to it. Another thing that we become more sensitized to and and we see more is that, um, you know, the identification, the ownership of um, experience of phenomena, including the sense of self, is something that comes up very quickly and sometimes very subtly, you know, so you have very quickly and very subtly, you know, and I think in practice we see it quite a lot, you know, practice is going well, there's some sense of flow, of ease, 
And often before we know it, we suddenly realize that there's an identification. Oh, I'm doing really well. Oh, I'm going to get to there. Oh, if I just stick with this, I'll be teaching here next year. Whatever, you know, whatever way it manifests, you know, that it comes up very, very quickly. And so if we notice that, you know, just seeing it as well as if this is also something that's arising and passing in experience and we can really bring that sense of well that this too is not me you know it's not me it's not mine it's a habit of mind that's playing itself out that's what it's doing and we can also bring a lot of humor into this you know to exploring that sense of ownership and identification that arises um, in us very quickly um, you know, a great example is, you know, we've been here a week now. Um, how do you, how's your sense of ownership of your part of the hall <laughs> going? You know, my mat, my cushion, my window, whatever it is. You know, what would happen, you know, you might feel like there's not much ownership. What would happen if you came into the hall and someone was sitting on your spot? Or, you know, even worse, they'd taken your favorite cushion. You know, that, you know, a week ago you'd never seen before, let alone sat on, you know. So how quickly that arises. And if we can bring that humor in, you know, can bring that humor in as part of the exploration and we can really do it through the, through the day. You know, also with the, with the walking, my path. Yeah, my path. Very, very, um, yeah, very strong, very quickly there's that appropri- appropriation what would I do if I went to, to do the walking meditation? And it looks like, you know, they're preparing a new mud make mud brick making area just where I was walking before. You know, it's mine. So really, a lot of humour around that. And with that humour, also seeing um, how that lessening, loosening of the ownership of that sense of me and mine. Um, how that is both more realistic to the way things actually are. You know, as I said, you know, like a week ago, we'd never even seen these mats and cushions. So it's much more in tune with the way things are um, and also more liberating and easeful. So seeing that as we bring the humor in and we bring this light humorous questioning, can we actually look at things and see that they are, you know, borrowed and shared you know I'm using this but this is borrowed you know it's shared it's not mine it's it's ours and that ours includes countless beings that I will never know you know so just to kind of really and that's again some of the beauty that I was speaking about last night when we feel that when we open to that really beautiful to do that as part of, of, of eating the meals here, you know, to really start contemplating, you know, this food, where, where does it come from, who's taken part in it, you know, what is it made of, really, as a way of, of loosening it up. And, you know, as I was saying last night, also, even this body <laughs> that feels so instinctively mine, you know, is it? <laughs> Reflecting on that, expanding that. So remembering also that um, all phenomena are fabricated 
Yeah, that word fabrication is a really fun word. All phenomena are fabricated, made up of things. Yeah, this is true on the physical level. You know, anything on the physical material level is fabricated. It's made up of components, made up of things. You know, again, this body, you know, made up of limbs. My friend Rob, he does this quite grim thing. (laughs) If you took this body and you started chopping off parts of it, when would it stop being a body? You know, where, where is that defining point, you know, if we separate it into its elements? When is that defining point when it stops being a body and becomes something else? You know, we can see that around, um, you know, birth and death also. You know, when does that, you know, when does that being begin to be? You know, in the first um, scan where you get the photo, is that the first moment? In the moment of insemination, you know, is that the moment? And equally, you know, when does it when when does it cease? When it stops breathing? You know, when when there's no consciousness anymore, wherever that is. You know, where where does it stop? So, yeah, just really bringing in that sense of also wonder and openness to it. So everything is fabricated on a physical level, made up of elements, made up of components, made up of parts. And also, and this is what we're really interested in, is also mentally fabricated. As I was talking for most of the talk last night, you know, mentally fabricated. It's um, seen as separate and seen as owned, whether that owning is an appropriating or a rejection. You know, I want it or I don't want it. There's a sense of ownership there towards it. So seen as mine or seen as other, a sense of ownership. So really exploring, you know, this practice is really about exploring what happens if I look at things as not me and not mine. What happens? What does that allow? What does that allow? What does that engender? What does that support in the being? So as we've said before, it's not about taking this on as a belief system, But is this a useful way of looking at experience and exploring experience? Can I I try and see? So that's the very brief (laughs) introduction. And, um, And I'll guide us through a practice together now. So I'm doing any, stretching any parts of the body that need to be stretched and finding your posture for this period.
So settling into the posture, exploring that balance between uprightness and restfulness in the body. Taking a few minutes at the beginning now to, in your own way, collect, gather, settle the attention. You can do this with body awareness, with breath awareness, with metta practice, or any other way that works for you. So just have the few first minutes silent and just collecting, gathering your awareness and your attention.
So gently bringing the attention and awareness into the body and feeling um, a sense of the whole body as you're sitting or lying here. Just taking some time to consider the body without judging ourselves allowing for that habitual way of considering the body as me, as who I am, or as owned by me. And then just reflecting, just considering. This body is nourished by food. Can I see this food? as not mine. The food in this body is digested with the help of bacteria. Can I see it as not me? Every cell in the body, every cell, is replaced every seven years. Can I open to that? Can I see the cells that are in my body right now as arising and passing, as not mine? Can I open to this body as a natural flow and process? It grows, it heals, it sustains itself. Can I see it as not me? Eventually, Sooner or later, this body will fall apart and return to the earth, become again part of the earth. Can I see that this body is not me or mine? It is not myself. feeling the different sensations that arise and pass through the body. Bringing your attention more precisely to a specific sensation, any sensation. can be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Just bringing the attention to that sensation. Can I see it remembering 
that it is rising, arising from causes and conditions that are beyond my control. My genetics, my diet, the hardness of the cushion, my age, Whatever the sensation, it arises from causes and conditions beyond my control. Can I see it as not me, not mine, not myself? specifically opening to a sensation in the body where there is some discomfort or tension, something quite mild, not too intense. Can I look at this body sensation of contraction, of discomfort, of pain, of tension? Can I see it as a condition to be responded to but not owned, not identified with? Not me. Not mine. not myself. How does seeing that, how does bringing that into awareness or seeing in this way as not me, not mine. How does that affect the experience, if it does? Opening to see. How does it affect the experience of discomfort or the reactivity to it? If I can see it as an arising, 
conditioned phenomena, not me, not mine. Now bringing your attention to the breath and the sensations of the breathing. Can you see that too? Not me. Not mine. not myself. The breath flowing through the body without any intentionality of the mind. I'm not controlling it. I'm not creating it. It arises and passes keeping this body alive. This naturally occurring breath is not me. It is not mine. Can you open your awareness and bring the attention to the Vedana of the body experience right now? Whatever it may be. So right now a Vedana of the body experience, pleasant, unpleasant, or neither one or the other. Whatever the Vedana, can that too be seen as not me, not mine?
Looking more closely at a specific sensation in the body. Can be the sensations of the breath flowing through or a contraction or discomfort somewhere in the body, any sensation. Seeing the Vedana of that sensation arising and passing. Can I see that Vedana too? as not me, not mine. Exploring the different sense doors of the body. Can we see these two as not me? Not mine. Not myself. Bringing attention to the ear. Can I see the ear as not me and not mine? The sounds being known by the ear and being known by consciousness. Sounds are not me. They are not mine. The consciousness that knows the sounds is not me. It is not mine. This wonderful ability to hear, to recognize, to experience sound. That too is not me. That too is not mine.
bringing attention to the mouth. Can we feel the mouth? And remember that the mouth is not me. It is not mine. Can we feel the flavors? in the mouth. Remembering that they too are not me and not mine. Can we experience and feel our capacity, our ability to taste and to know taste. Remembering that that too is not me, is not mine. Similarly with the nose. Can we feel its presence and yet remember that it is not me and it is not mine? Can we feel the smells, the fragrances, the aromas that are known by the nose. Remembering too, they are not me and not mine. Can we feel our contact and touch sense the skin, is that me? Is that mine? The feeling of contact with the air with a seat, with a ground. Is that me? Is that mine? The ability to feel 
Is that me? Is that mine? Is that who I am? The I too. The I or eyes. Not me. Not mine. The light on the inside of the eyelids. The impact of shifting light and shadow on the eyes even as they're closed. Not me. Not mine. This wondrous ability to see and to know seeing. Not me. Not mine. Turning the attention to the mind state, whatever it is right now, relaxed or contracted, aversive or desirous, confused or clear. This mind state, too, is not me. It is not mine. It is not who I am. So that may have felt fairly intense, I don't know, trying to kind of get a flavor or an experience of a lot of different ways that we can apply this practice. 
and I didn't even go through all of them. You might be uh, amazed to know <laughs> there's more. And so um, I would recommend, in, you know, if you choose to apply this, if you choose to, to work with this insight way of looking practice through the day, um, probably to keep it a little bit more simple than we just did now. Like this was a lot of different ways. Um, and I would kind of keep it a little bit more simple than that. And I'll just um, give some um, suggestions. So you may have uh, felt as we went through different ways, you know, just the, the general body sensations, specific body sensations, the Vedanas of the body sensations. That was kind of, that's one area that you could probably explore. Um, the sense doors is another one. It sometimes kind of feels less personal because we can kind of really see the flow and the arising and passing. It could be another thread to kind of spend time with um, as a kind of package for, for a, a, a period of meditation. Um, you know, or anything in there that felt like it was, ah, that is there, it's, it's, it's more clear, or kind of I'm getting more access to, to, to stick with that one um, for now, to stick with that part. Um, sometimes just breath awareness with that kind of, okay, who's, who's actually breathing here? You know, what is actually happening? The sensations, the... Um, volition, you know, that sense of will, is there, I'm not, I'm not willing the breath to happen, you know, so kind of bringing even that, just that can, can have that, um, can have enough juice in it, enough um, fuel in it to, to keep the practice going. Um, and didn't do it so much, but bringing in that question through as you practice of noticing um, if there's a release of identification, and if um, there is, how that affects the sense of well-being and how that affects the sense of self. So just kind of bringing in that question every once in a while into, um, into the practice. Um, yeah, I think that that's enough. There's more, but I feel like it would be, it would be too much. So um, before I, I give the, the suggestions for the, for the walking, are there any questions? I'm just going to turn this off. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.